Hey Mules and Jennies, this is Austin and Carson and we're from the UCM Career Services Center and welcome to the Mules with a Mission podcast. Alright, welcome back to another episode of Mules with a Mission. Uh, today we have the one and only Dr. President Best with us. Hello Dr. Best, how are you doing today? Great, so good to join you guys today. Appreciate the opportunity. We really appreciate you joining us and uh, being a part of this podcast. You are our highest profile person up to date that we've had on this podcast. Um, so thank you for you know noticing us and letting us uh, talk a little about your story and uh, let you give some information to the people um, about the topic we're covering. Um, the topics will cover management, finance, and accountancy. Um, we knew that you had a background in that area, and so you have some experience to give some knowledge about those topics. Um, but Clearly with management, you know, managing a whole university, you know, it's a big quality to be able to relate to these students. Um, so the first question I want to ask you is just tell us a little about yourself, uh, what you majored in, um, some past experiences you had before you became president of the university. Yeah, sure. Happy to. Uh, thanks for that. Uh, so my undergraduate major was management, uh, but I have, so I actually got a Bachelor of Business Administration with a, a major in management. But I have to say, I did, uh, like many college students, I did change my major a number of times. And so at one point, I was listed as a triple major between management, accounting, and business information systems, but seriously considered uh, studying biology and the sciences, particularly genetics within biology. And even at one point, I uh, considered being a history major with a secondary education uh, certification so that I could teach uh, history at the high school level. Uh, and then uh, after I completed my management degree, which is what I finally settled on at the end of the day, I went to graduate school and earned a PhD in finance. And my support area in my finance PhD was statistics. So similar to a minor that you would get at an undergraduate level. Awesome. Definitely some great experiences. And it's, it's cool to see how, you know, even somebody who's as successful as you, you know, the president of the university, just saying that even in during your time in university, you changed your major a few times. That's just super cool to see. It's very common with everybody. Next question we have for you is what's it like being the president of a university? Is it what you expected? Is it, did it throw you some curveballs? Well, there's nothing like it. I can tell you that. And uh, part of the last question was, you know, what were my experiences prior to becoming president? And I've had the pleasure of being at the University of Central Missouri for more than 25 years now. In fact, it was called Central Missouri State University when I first got here and came as a faculty member. So after earning my PhD, I came just to teach finance courses in our finance major and our finance program. And through just a series of events, ended up in administrative roles, department chair position, which is over, I was over a couple of disciplines at the time, economics and finance. And from there, ended up being associate dean for our college of business and then ultimately dean for what uh, originally was the college of business but then ultimately became the college of business and professional studies uh, prior to after doing that for seven years or so i, I became a vice president here for our uh, finance area so basically chief financial officer for really less than a year before being named the interim president after our previous president left and so even in spite of all of those different positions and really feeling as if i had a pretty good handle on what the university was about and a lot of relationships on campus. There really is no position quite like being president of this organization or probably any organization because at the end of the day, you realize you're responsible for everything. Uh, in all of my other roles, I had potentially wide responsibility and, and broad responsibility for a lot of stuff. But in this role, 
technically everything is my responsibility. And, and so just, or, you know, will people show up for work? Those little things like that, that make you uh, stay up at night. So I will say though, in spite of the immense level of responsibility that comes with a position such as this, it's an incredibly rewarding position because in my, uh, in this position uh, and the way I look at it, I have the potential to influence what happens with our students on a day-to-day basis, even though we, we really look long-term and we're involved in strategic planning that's anywhere from three to 15 years out into the future. But day-to-day, I get to see the impact on our students and what we're able to bring to bear and the quality that we can provide them both with education and the campus experience that we provide. Uh, so what it's like, uh, it's a lot of meetings, it's a lot of responsibility, but at the end of the day, it's incredibly rewarding just to uh, see the the positive influence we're able to have on our students and not just current students, but even our alumni and in speaking with a, a lot of our alumni and having them reflect on their experience and how the University of Central Missouri, Central Missouri State University, Central Missouri State College changed their lives and, and provided for them opportunities that, frankly, they weren't even aware existed prior to coming to this university. That's fantastic to hear. And you talked a lot about, you know, the management and the leadership there. So that kind of transitions to some of our more industry-based questions. So uh, what are some of the key skills that you feel are necessary to be successful within management, finance, or accountancy type industry? Yeah. And it's really interesting uh, if you look at those as disciplines and majors and professions to go into. So management, for example, has a lot of subfields to it. Finance has a lot of subfields built within it. And so it's easy to to speak to certain subfields versus the entire field. But in general, from a management perspective, you need to have good listening skills. And those are good skills to have no matter which profession you go into. But you have to be able to listen to those who report to you, those that you serve to make sure that your organization is, is doing what it needs to be doing. But you also have to have the ability to, in essence, be a judge because uh, any organization there, in, in any organization, there are competing interests. And uh, if you have good leaders that report to you, they're continually bringing ideas. And sometimes those ideas compete against other good ideas. And so you have to be able to judge what you believe is the best for the organization and, and uh, ferret out uh, you know, great ideas from just good ideas and, and try to put your organization on that pathway. Uh, so I'd say uh, listening, uh, judgment, uh, making sure that the, you have those skills from the management perspective. On the finance side, it's not dissimilar, but that comes with the analytical skills as well. So the ability to take a look at a set of data and summary information on that data and glean from that information about your organization, where your organization has been, where it's going, and really use that to be able to then to make a decision. So it's not just about generating the data and statistics and numbers and looking at those. It's really for decision-making purposes. So understanding analytics and data in context and what things tell you when you are able to produce a set of metrics for your organization. So those are, are pretty critical. And, and I would say, realistically, if you're looking at a career in management or finance or accounting, in addition to just the pure subject matter that you're going to be engaged in as you're developing your skill set, I would suggest uh, taking a programming, programming class. One of the things you do in programming is you, you not only learn another language, a, a different languages you, you might normally communicate in, but you also are presented with a problem and it's up to you to figure out a solution to that problem. And the only way you solve that is through a very logical construct. Uh, so problem to solution following a very logical path. And that's in essence all uh, management, finance, and accounting become at the end of the day. It's uh, a problem you're presented with that needs a solution. Solutions can present themselves, or you might know what the solution is. But even once you identify that solution, 
have to have a logical pathway to get there. And one that in some ways needs to be very objective and not emotional. Although it's easy to think about emotion in the discipline such as management, because you're dealing with people and there's nothing but emotion when we're talking about people, you have to really take a very um, logical and objective approach to how you approach individuals and make sure that you're, you're treating them fairly, but also objectively. And, and that at the end of the day, it becomes the heart of, of what we do in all, all of these disciplines. Those are all very fantastic points. And I think those are some skills I think a lot of people, especially that are in those majors have. I just think it's hard for them to kind of see the end product of them and how to kind of piece them together to market themselves out. But very helpful information. Thank you. Um, so the next question is, how have you seen these fields grow in the last 10 or 15 years? Yeah, it's pretty incredible to think about the changes in, in the fields. And uh, so I'll start with management. If you look at, and I'll go a little bit further than, than 10 or 15 years even to put it in more context. Uh, if you look today, uh, there, there's quite a bit of activity among employees and organizations uh, in organization efforts. And back in the day, which back in the day was many, many years ago, uh, employees would organize, but it really revolved around uh, working conditions, uh, pay levels, benefits, availability. Uh, so unionization efforts, for example, really kind of had those as the theme. Today, we see employees organizing themselves really around societal issues. Uh, so certainly more recently, we've seen some social injustice, attention being paid to social injustice issues. And even within organizations, employees are organizing themselves to try to get their organizations to be more supportive in these social injustice issues or, or issues related to social justice. And so as a, a manager or a leader, you have to be cognizant that it's not a top-down approach anymore. It's not about telling people what they need to do. It's about convincing people of vision and ideas and thoughts, while at the same time recognizing that employees today really have an expectation about where they work and who they work for that's greater than just the product or the service that you provide. It's really about some greater societal good that the organization can do. And so from that standpoint, as a leader, you have to make sure that you are, are thinking collaboratively with your employees, not what they need to do and what the outcome needs to be. It really needs to be more of a partnership with the employees. So if you look at management as a profession, it's really evolved from organizational design. So how do you design your organization for effectiveness to much more attention paid to the personnel side of that? And that started coming into play back 30 plus years ago with things like quality circles. How can we get our employees to help us have a better product or a better service? to today, how is it that we can work with our employees to, as an organization, make a stand and try to make a difference in society beyond just whatever product or service we might be a part of. From the uh, finance side and accounting side, and even to some extent the management side, the technology side it has really changed everything we do. Many, many years ago, it really was about uh, calculations and things, but doing those uh, with, lo and behold, this great technology called a calculator. Uh, which evolved in the spreadsheets. And today, the artificial intelligence side of, of what happens in finance and accounting really drives the professions. And to the point that many of the parts of those professions that would have existed uh, even 10 years ago, realistically 15 years ago, don't really exist today because they're all automated. And so back to that programming approach, you know, you really program your, your system to take advantage of uh, the computer program basically noticing when changes happen in the data and can move quickly on uh, reacting to that. And I'll, I'll actually use a management example for that. Many, many years ago, if you ran a retail operation, 
you had department managers and their job was to take a clipboard and a piece of paper and walk around and, and count inventory. So are we running out of name the product and intuitively decide when it was time to order again, or maybe have a little calculation you would run well anymore uh, with uh, barcodes that came into to play about 30 plus years ago and tying those into inventory systems. Now you have already programmed in your system when you should place an order. And so inventory management as part of the management field has really evolved so much just because of simple technology that makes a lot of sense to us today. And it's hard for us to imagine it didn't exist where people don't go around now with clipboards and count how many stuff is on, a, how many of something is on a shelf and then decide to place an order by picking up the phone. They, they literally have already programmed in the system. And once you're checking out, it crosses your, your register with the barcode, it registers that, that in your inventory system. And there's an automatic order placed when you get to critical inventory levels. So on the accounting finance side, but even on the manager side, we see technology very much driving the way the professions are working. And so what then becomes incumbent upon a student, if you're majoring in any of these professions, is to think about how your profession may evolve over the next 10 or 15 years and how you can still be relevant in that profession. Because it's easy to get programmed out of your job. And what I would encourage students to do that are, if you've already settled on a major and you're thinking about something in particular and you're already starting to take some classes in a major, identify several of your professors that are different ages. Uh, so maybe 30s, 40s, and 50s. And just ask them from the time you took this stuff when you were in college to what you're teaching us today, what's changed? And you can see how quickly all of these professions start to evolve. And you can also start seeing patterns of what skill sets don't change. And uh, that's what's critical as a student to make sure that you're developing those skill sets that what we would refer to as generalizable, uh, that no matter what you're doing, where you're working, that those skill sets carry with you to other organizations or other parts of your profession so that uh, you don't end up out of a job because technology has replaced you. And so that would be one of my advices about not just how has the field changed, but how do I keep pace with the change going forward and make sure that uh, I'm not left behind. Awesome. And that's actually a fantastic transition into our next question. So where do you see these industries moving in the next, in the near future, 10, 15 years? Yeah, it'll, it'll continue to be automation in all three of those disciplines, accounting, finance, and management. And what, what you'll see is really more power at the individual employee level. Uh, so if you think about the decision-making and how slow that can be, Part of the, the decision-making process is you have to have information, you have to be able to analyze it, then you have to be able to act upon it and uh, get approval for it in some cases. Well, all of that has just really been crunched down now. The access that you have to data is fingertip. Uh, so dashboards, uh, drilling into data. So you're um, at the employee level, and I, I don't always like to use the word empowerment, but I'll use it here. The individual employee at more of an entry level, it's becoming more empowered to make decisions that are in, basically for us institution-wide, uh, but organization-wide or company-wide, they can have a, a pretty big influence or impact on the, the organization itself. And so uh, going back to what I recommended, uh, learn something about programming, learn something about technology. That's really critical because uh, in these three fields in particular, uh, that's only, only going to be enhanced and um, learn something about artificial intelligence. You know, the notion that we can program our systems to not only do things that we say they need to do at certain times, but they can learn when optimal times might be for that. So these are the ways that these fields are going to go. 
And it's incumbent that you understand why they're going that way and how they're going that way and, and learn that today so that you can stay on top of the, uh, your profession going forward. Absolutely. And I think we've seen technology change even this last year, um, just how much it's helpful and how much it's changed our way of life. So I can only see it moving forward, as you said. Um, that was our last question about the topic. So I want to thank you again. And I'm not in any of these fields, but I feel like these are very amazing points of information that you're giving these students. So I hope they take your advice and what you've said into consideration. I hope all of them do really well in their fields. I have one more question for you. It is our building block question. So it's a little fun question to end the episode uh, just to kind of get away from the topic. So our question for you is if there was a movie about your life, who would you want casted to play you and why? Oh, let's see. If there's a movie about my life, I would probably want uh, Chris Pratt to play me because he's a good looking guy, first and foremost. Uh, he, he's, he's got some muscles that I don't have and he's kind of a funny guy. And so I always appreciate his sense of humor. Uh, he's actually kind of a funny guy in real life, but all of the characters he, he plays, uh, he tends to have this wry sense of humor. And uh, so he's one of my favorites. So I, I think I would want him to play me not because I am him or, or, or any of those types of things, but uh, uh, it's an aspirational uh, thing for me. So I think Chris Pratt. Very fantastic answer. <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, any of the Chris's are absolutely fantastic. So definitely a great choice there, but uh, those are actually all the questions that we have for you today. Just one more time. Thank you so much for letting us take some time out of your very busy schedule to you know talk with us today. It was very fantastic having you on here with us. Oh, thank you. Thank you for letting me join you today. Well, that's all we have for you today. Thank you so much for listening. If you have any questions, you can email us at muleswamission at ucmo.edu. And don't forget to follow us on our socials. We're on Instagram and Twitter. Just search Meals with a Mission and make sure to give us a follow. Along with those, remember we are on both Apple Podcasts and Spotify, and we will see you in the next one. <laughs>